Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, of course, is Jeremy Finestone. And I always say at the front, news, issues, and events. Well, we have events, we have news, and Taichi has uncle issues. Uh, we will be talking about all that. And, of course, the main thing, the destruction in Kobe show. That's the big news. And then a lot of major events coming up. So, Jeremy, we have gone from this little space where there are mostly house shows and an occasional thing on New Japan World, and now we're just kicking into full gear. There are major shows across the world happening week after week. I'm feeling blue, man. I was actually going to take a leave of absence from this show with everything going on, but Taichi stole my gimmick. So uh, <laughs> I decided to show up and uh, let's talk about everything that happened in New Japan World. Yeah, well, we appreciate you being here. And when Colin, we appreciate you being here, of course, as always with us live. Appreciate that. Uh, happy to see you. And uh, yeah, just uh, the Destruction and Kobe show, a pretty newsworthy show, a really good show. And we're going to go into that. Of course, we're going to be talking about future events. We're going to be talking about some of the fallout from Destruction and Kobe and uh, looking ahead. So uh, with that, I mean, I think we should just jump right into this. Uh, Jeremy, it was a major deal. Yeah, it's uh... I was not expecting this show to be as newsworthy and strong as it as it as it was, including the main event. the The top of the card, the semi mains, were were particularly noteworthy, and uh, it was a shot in the arm. As I was telling you before we went live, it felt like we were on cruise control with New Japan ever since the end of the G One, and uh, this was a major upshift and just a shot in the arm, man. We are still waiting for New Japan World to do its update that they talked about before. But uh, this one aired live on uh, the traditional NJPW World at Kobe World Hall. And this show drew 4,212. That's a pretty good. Uh, we'll talk about how where that is in context. But that's a really good uh, run there in, in Kobe. That's a good crowd. And uh, they were treated to a heck of a show. You could also sense that having a big crowd again brought them some energy this one was kicked up definitely from some of the other house shows we've been seeing and hearing about on there so it all began with uh down at the bottom the bullet club clark connors and drilla maloney they are of course the iwgp junior tag champions titled not on the line and they face tiger mask and kevin knight now uh, this one got everything off to a hot start because of Kevin Knight. Basically, he opened the show with a running Topic on Hilo to jumpstart this match, uh, which was much appreciated. Because his regular tag team partner, Kushida, isn't able to get to Japan until later because he has bookings in the United States, Tiger Mask was filling in, and they worked this match more of a showcase for Kevin Knight because, of course, he and Kushida are going to be challenging a little bit later on. But they worked hard to get Knight over. I'll say this, too. Maloney and Connors are really starting to gel as a team. They had some really interesting and fun double team moves in this one. I enjoyed watching them work together. And uh, in the end, uh, they uh, hit the full clip, which is a double team move they do. It is a spear from a suplex position. So usually uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, kind of up on the, they got the guy in the suplex position, the other member of the team, jumps off the ropes, spears the guy out of the suplex position. Uh, pretty good-looking move right there. So uh, obviously they did that on Tiger Mask, and so he took the fall here. The War Dogs have good double-team chemistry, like I mentioned. It was a good match. And uh, with Kevin Knight in there, they beat him down a little bit afterwards just to put a little extra sauce on that. Uh, but uh, overall, it makes me really excited about seeing Kevin Knight go into the ring against these two again with Kushida. 
Yeah, no, I was really looking forward to it. I liked that they made a mention of the All-Star Junior Festival as well, the mm-hmm. one, the win that Kevin Knight had over at Clark Connors. It made that show feel like it mattered a little bit more in the hindsight than yeah, it did at the time. Uh, fun opener, man. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you covered both of it. Yeah, and uh, oh, also DJ Convoy is here. We're, we're going to get to some of the comments that are coming in a little bit later when we get to We're going to talk Nakajima in a little bit. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. No worries. We'll get that up there. We're going to go with this one, though. This one was in a weird spot, but then now we kind of know why. Uh, Just five guys, but it's a six-man tag, so not all five of them, just three of them. Sonata, Doki, and Takamichi Noku facing the House of Torture, Evil, Yujiro Takahashi, and Dick Togo in match number two. Set up for later. We'll get to that big angle, major angle alert in this one. You guys all know what it is, but we're we're waiting for it. (laughs) Uh, Sonata kicked uh, Evil early, and he took the belt, which I thought was kind of funny because it turned out to be an NJPW shop replica belt because the plate was a little plastic plate on the side was falling off, uh, which just gave them a chance to uh, plug the souvenir shop for the most part. Uh, This one did have energy to it, and that was missing from some of the house shows. So uh, they knew they were telling a big story later in the day, and they worked a little harder than usual. Taka won this one with the Michinoku driver, so we should have known right that that there were strange things in the air. Taka Michinoku was winning a match clean with his move, even if it's on Dick Togo. Sonata still did not get the belt, although we think it was a fake one. And the storyline they had here for this, this belt falling apart as the side plate fell off was, well, Evil wouldn't bring the real one here so Sonata could take it back from him, of course. He brought one of the fake ones from the Tokan shop, which you can find online for a... I got to tell you, those... The belts are hugely overpriced. If that's if that's <laughs> the that's, quality, yeah. I, I think so I think too. they're like they were two thousand. I think they're like five thousand dollars U.S. dollars now. Like they oh, have so. they have a markup on them, and and that was not the sell that you needed for for like quality craftsmanship from from oh. New Japan. <laughs> no, Evil dropped in a big side plate, fell off of it for the love of God. And, oh, and they, they and, and Sonata <laughs> took it back to the corner, and he's just looking at it in the belt in one hand, the side plate in the other, and says, "I got to deal with this shit." So, oh boy, tell you what, it was a, the beginning of a long night for Sonata, as it turned out. Uh, up next, after that, we had the uh, Gorillas of Destiny. This would be the uh, the, the Tongans, of course, uh, mm-hmm. teaming up with Jado and El Fantasmo. So Hikaleo Tamatanga and uh, Tonga Loa, and they faced the Bullet Club. This one was uh, Kid and Coughlin, of course, uh, the uh, the heavyweight tag team, Chase Owens, David Finlay, and Ghetto. About 10 minutes, 12 seconds here. And uh, another one where I think the crowd kind of picked things up a little bit. Plus, we hadn't seen these guys in a while, and uh, you could tell that they were ready to go a little bit. They weren't banged up yet either, although we'll see what happens to them in a couple of weeks. But uh, this one was crisp. Everyone moved well. Everyone hit their stuff. That's kind of what matches with uh, eight men are like. Well, ten men, isn't it? It's a uh, two, three, four. Yeah, there were ten yeah, men. Okay, ten one. men. Yeah, and uh, and he only had twelve minutes. So, or not even twelve minutes. Actually, it was ten minutes. No, and ten men. Seconds. Ten minutes. <laughs> Everybody gets a minute. Uh, Tama Tonga ended up beating uh, Ghetto with the gunstun, which when you look at that lineup was about the only way that was going to work. And he fought off Finlay afterwards when Finlay tried to get some cheap shots in. So strong babyface match here just to try to remind us that uh, the challengers are coming uh, later on in tour. Yeah, so this is also setting up the the Hikaleo and El Fantasma tag match for the strong title with Gabriel Kidd. And Alex Coughlin in a couple of weeks, and they they did a lot of work uh, laying that laying that down. Uh, I feel like we are just going in circles with these these guys. And if House of Torture 
and just five guys wasn't such a boring feud, we'd probably be more critical about this feud. But <laughs> this is actually a breath of fresh air after going through all of that. So feels yeah, feels electric compared to just five guys. They are start. they are benefiting from good card placement. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. Up next, we had the Chaos team of Leo Rush and Yo facing LIJ's Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi, so the juniors from each of the factions here. And we were curious to see how Leo Rush was going to work this match. He's a heel in the United States with Impact. In fact, he just beat the hell out of Kushida. Now he's teaming with Yo. And, of course, Yo's in Chaos and Kushida's Hantai, so it's, you know you can get away with it. But I noticed that Rush was not working as a heel per se, but he was certainly a little more aggressive, cocky and flamboyant with his mannerisms. He wasn't the, you know, humble focused one we saw in, in yeah. uh, best of the super juniors. He had a little of that heel flair to him. In Swagger. This mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this was a good match. Actually. Uh, this one really came together nicely. Of course, you know, three of the four people are, Pretty much at the top of the game. Well, Yo is maybe a notch below that, but Yo is a talented guy. Bushi's also pretty talented. So, uh, good match. Uh, they actually did something that I have not seen. They do a break dancing move, Yo and Leo Rush. That's the thing where it's almost like a victory roll where they're holding each other's ankles and they roll forward. It, yeah. It, you know, back in the 80s, back when in my day, uh, that was kind of a famous break dancing move that you would see uh, out there every once in a while. And now they, they incorporated it here. First time they hit it in a way that it didn't look like garbage. They actually got the momentum going and it had some speed to it. Hey, I haven't seen point. that move in like, what, five months? It's been yeah. a while since they even, they've been together and even pulled that move off. Yeah. And in the end, it was a showcase for Leo Rush, which makes a lot of sense. He's challenging for the junior heavyweight title, along with Mike Bailey, who's also busy in the United States and, in, well, in the rest of North America, for that matter. The man's busy everywhere and uh, won't be along until a little bit later. But uh, he hit the rush hour, final hour on Bushy to uh, win the match. So it was a victory for Leo. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be a great triple threat match. This was a nice showcase for him. Everybody worked hard. This is a lot of fun. It was nine minutes and 14 seconds, but loved it. It's amazing to me. We have all these 10-minute matches, but the show was four and a half hours long. Yeah, this is a long show. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a long show. And Colin mentions Leo and Speedball have been going back and forth with each other with promos, and it's been hilarious. Yeah, they've been pretty good. Uh, and and they're, they're maximizing their social media awareness with each other. It's, it's a good way to do it. It's a good way to do it right now. You don't get a lot of promo time in New Japan. You have to do it other ways. Well... This guy is getting a little bit of promo time and a little bit of fake time. All four of them, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we had, for this one, Zack Sabre Jr. and Bad Dude Tito from TMDK. They faced the Chaos group of Kazushika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Zack and Ishii had a really fun sequence oh of counters on one another. Just smoothly rolling from one thing to the other. Missing moves, ducking going in and out of things. It was watching so magic, watching those two go near the end of the match. Yeah, it was really beautifully done from, from two very, very smooth workers. And uh, Okada and Ishii put their working boots on and really put bad dude Tito over. They sold for him quite a bit, made him look really good. And it was uh, another sequence later in the match with Ishii and Zach. That ended up with Zach pinning him on the roll-up. That's the one he does where he kind of puts his ankles on the guy's shoulders and rolls him over and then bridges. It's something that really only a handful of people in the world can do, but he's lanky enough and flexible enough to pull it off. 
And uh, they hinted afterwards that TMDK might, maybe, perhaps, in the future, be interested in the six-man tag team titles uh, someday, which would be, I think, a nice little rivalry for those belts. If uh, Assuming they're going to beat the Impact team just because that Impact team is coming to Rio Goku, probably be a terrific match, not expecting them to stay long-term. No, they're, they're a different story with that one, and I think that plays more into impact stuff going on between uh, uh, Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander. So we'll get to that at some point. But no, nah, man, this was this was a gem of a match. Uh, I cannot, cannot, cannot stress enough that if you love seamless chain wrestling, uh, Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr. had some of the best chain wrestling you would see all year long. It looked like butter. I could not believe the impact but the smoothness at the same time and uh they just gel really well man the whole the whole match just a really fun one so up next we have to talk about this it Do is we? the king of pro wrestling match between taichi and show with the seconds handcuffed and so here's how this worked uh our hearts were broken there was <laughs> the of course a lot of stalling from house of torture they came out and this was only 13 minute match but it was probably, what, almost a half an hour from start to finish between the angle at the end and the stalling from House of Torture at the beginning about not wanting to get in the handcuffs. And then that's a heel thing that goes back, I don't know, decades. I mean, hell, I mean, all those things where you would see Bobby This was a Broadway so performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, so they came out there, and, of course, we had Sonata being handcuffed to Evil. We had Takamichinoku to Dick Togo. Doki to Yujiro. All made sense within their own little pockets of this feud. And, of course, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Kanemaru was injured. Fine. So that was three on three. Uh, House of Torture was polite enough to wear white T-shirts so we could tell the difference among who was who at ringside. That was nice. I thought that was very polite. Uh, it was but, like new, new merchandise for the, the highly popular faction. In- <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to be able to tell because just five guys wears black, they wear black. I'm like, how are we going to be able to tell who's who down at ringside? They fixed that problem. So House Torture still manages to interfere in this match. These handcuffs did no good whatsoever. Might as well not have been there. And just five guys didn't particularly do anything about it when they did try to interfere, even though they're handcuffed off. So uh, they still managed to hold Taichi on the outside to tease a count out, which the referee just stared at like a dipshit. Uh, the, the crowd was waiting for the angle here. Everyone kind of sensed that this was a setup for something. Didn't right. quite know what. Right. Uh, Evil managed to distract the referee again, um, uh, who got bumped. Yujiro threw his cane in the ring. Dick Togo threw powder. Uh, there was a low blow to Taichi. So now we're just booking the living daylights out of this thing. Show grabs the wrench. All right, here's the big move. Then, out of the back. Someone running, not limping, running. Yoshinobu Kanemaru, he wasn't hurt the whole time. He slides in the ring. He takes the wrench from show. Magically healed. And everybody started to sense that something was wrong when he took the wrench and didn't hit show with it again. So then he takes a big swig of whiskey and sure enough, spits it in Taichi's face. And he has turned on the just five guys in his joint with the house of torture. He pulls the t-shirt off. They even gave him one of the white t-shirts beforehand. Is nothing sacred, I ask you. Show ends up hitting the shock arrow for the pin. Yoshinobu Kanemaru has turned on his uh, stablemates and joined up with House of Torture. Taichi leaves the ring in tears. Why, Uncle Nobu? Why? 
and uh, Evil immediately, suddenly, after weeks of hemming and hawing, loves the lumberjack match idea now that they have the numbers advantage, and that's going to be taking place at Korokan, uh, or not Korokan, at Ryogoku Kakujikan for uh, destruction in Ryogoku. So that'll be a lumberjack match between Evil and Sonata. The deck is stacked against just four guys now. What are they going to do? I'll say this. I got worked. And it's embarrassing for me because that doesn't happen to me very often. <laughs> I believed that Kanemaru was hurt. I thought that when he got in the ring, I thought, oh, man, he messed up his knee. Because that does happen. You can plant your foot on a mat and all that stuff. And then they did something, Jeremy, that New Japan virtually never does. They took an advertised guy off of a show as part of a work. I'm not going to say it's never happened before, but it's really rare that they would do something like that. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was going to happen. Uh, they changed, was... they changed the game plan. They changed the way they do. They changed the way that they create expectations. And they are not the only promotion in recent memory in the last couple weeks, last couple months, to presumably use injuries to forward, inju- forward storylines and to swerve the audience. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it whatsoever, but I understand that it is effective when used sparingly, but if multiple promotions are using it within weeks of each other, it no longer becomes a uh, a compelling storyline thing. So I'm going to record scratch, stop this podcast right now, and I'm going to start asking you some questions. Okay. There are a couple of names out there that we could potentially think about, because right now we're at just three guys. Four. And just four guys. But Taichi's gone. So you take you you well, don't. So we're at just three guys right now, and we're going into well, a lumber but Jack. Now, now, let's explain what we're talking about here, because Taichi was pulled off of events, but the idea being he is so distraught because he's been abandoned by Uncle Nobu that he just can't go on right now. He he just has been he's taking a personal leave of absence. Is how it was put. Gutted. Just yeah, he's just that devastated by, it. and he was in tears as he left. Good, nice, was acting, a good performance. Way, I got, I got to give him credit. You know, it's like he he held his fa- his hand to his face like he had a microphone there. <laughs> hey, he's such a good singer; he doesn't even need to use his mouth. So it's, it's uh, all ready to go for him. The performance. No, okay. So we're supposing here, but yeah. it's a fairly good supposition that at. Uh, the destruction Rio Goku card when the odds are stacked against just four guys now and the house of torture looks like it has a number advantage. We are expecting someone to appear as the fifth guy. And I, and I'm not trying to be uh, silly about this or facetious, but they have put a lot of money into the just five guys thing. As far as merchandise, the song, all that would have to be changed if they didn't replace him. And I don't think that's what's going on. I think this is set up for a new fifth guy. Yes. So they don't have to I actually agree. change any of that stuff. So I have two the question names. is who, and there are it's down to two people, one of whom apparently is leaving Noah and another one coming back home. So tell us about it, Jeremy. All right. So we got two names that we have both independently come to, apparently, as possible new members for just five guys. Both of them are exciting for different reasons. As of yesterday, there was only one name to consider, and now it seems that we have two. The first is Yuya Uemura, who may or may not be headed back to Japan as we speak to uh, continue his career here in Japan. Where and when and what he's doing all remains to be seen. 
but his time and impact is done. He is no longer apparently on excursion from unconfirmed reports. And so he could be one of the candidates to be a new member of just five guys. That would be an exciting, young, fresh face. Or Noah has the, what, member of Axis that is now just leaving, Katsuhiko Nakajima. Right. And uh, he's leaving Noah. He has not announced where he is going next. But his dates are finishing up in the middle of October. Does not mean that he could not be involved elsewhere doing other things with New Japan prior to those final dates. Especially, especially because no, especially because Noah has worked a lot with <clears throat> with New Japan. Yes. So even if he is still under contract at the very, very end, they might be able to work a deal out on that. That's possible. I'm leaning hard toward Uemura being yeah. the one coming back home here. I don't know about actually if he comes to New Japan, fine with me. Talented dude. Wouldn't mind seeing him. But uh yeah, I'm leaning hard toward them going with a younger just five guys and having the upstart coming in and have uh, Nobu work with uh, the House of Torture crew here, a, a younger, more yes. vibrant, maybe just five guys. That's what I'm thinking. That uh, We're going to see Uemura come back. Again, no inside information. They've been very tight-lipped on all this. Haven't even announced there is somebody coming in. They're playing the whole odd stack. Yeah, these are all, this is all just kind of, hey, a Lumberjack match is an interesting way for a guy that we were not planned uh to to do so right and here's a couple of comments that are, are pretty good here colin says i, n- I never saw Kanemaru as a baby face anyway so i'm fine with this okay well that's fair enough uh he, you know that's uh and uh dj convoy mentioned nakashima coming up or is he just going to do freelancer stuff and operate out of ultra don't really know on that one everyone's been pretty quiet on that as well plus he's still finishing up his dates with noah he has a few more so, so he's here's not the ready thing about nakajima if he were to be in just five guys <laughs> It completely upsets the power balance. So if True. you have if you have Hanada going into a main event match with at Wrestle Kingdom with Naito, and then all of a sudden you have like a near main eventer of Nakajima's level in the faction, that somewhat takes away the steam from the angle and it takes away the spotlight from Hanada. I would keep him as far away from Hanada as possible for now. And uh that's kind of where I stand on that. It would be a cool idea in the short run, but I feel like there's gaps in that logic when you really think about it. Here's DJ Convoy again. He said he's gutted by this, to be honest, but not because he turned Uncle Nobu, but because he joined House of Torture, which he says is a dull, boring faction. You're not gonna, I'm not going to argue with that, certainly. But uh, And he 100% thought he was hurt as well. He also asked an interesting question that I don't know the answer to on this one. Does Uemura have any connections to the five guys? Now, I'm not aware of any in storyline. Like, I don't think he was tangled with them before he went off to Impact, which is a long time ago. Oh, uh, no. Went away a uh, while. Taichi was actually, it seems like it was one of the last few that you, you had before he okay. left. It was Taichi? Uh, on excursion. Yeah. At about okay. around June, 20, June 2021. So he had some matches with Taichi on the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, that could be how they uh, they play. It. So they're a little bit there, but they they've stretched links with people with far less than that. <laughs> Certainly, <clears throat> yeah. Like putting uh, Narita with Suzuki and all that kind of stuff. So you can do things like that. So, so yeah, that was that big angle right there, and uh, the information that we have about it, which is. You know that again. We feel that it's going to be Uemura that comes in there and takes that spot. If, we will find out on October anybody. night. 
But, and speak, you know, sp speaking of uh, Destruction of Goku, before we go further, yeah. we will be covering that show live here, <clears throat> 4.30 p.m. Central, 5.30 Eastern, on Monday, October 9th. It's a Monday show, bank holiday in Japan. So it'll be a, on very early Monday morning on NJPW World. We will be covering it here in our regular time slot on Monday. We'll also do the Thursday show. We just felt that major show in Goku, waiting until Thursday to talk about it. Uh, was uh, a little bit too long. Kind of felt about it this week, too. We kind of, after this one, we were like, damn it, we should have gone live on Sunday. But hey, live and learn. We'll figure it out. I did I did think it was funny that Hanada was going into Impact a couple weeks after Yuya Uemura is leaving. And then DJ Convoy here, when I was talking about the feud, tenuous, but there is connective tissue then. Yes, DJ, I call it yoga because it is a stretch. <laughs> There you have it. So, uh, but you know, again, they, he can just kind of come back. Right? There was very little between Yoda Suji and Lij at all. Not a whole, not a whole lot yeah. there. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that seems to have worked out very well. All right, up next. Now we had a uh, title match. After that, uh, we have the IWGP Tag Team Heavyweight Tag Team Titles on the line. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi Bishima taking on the Mighty Don't Neil. That would be Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. <clears throat> so. This one's an interesting one as well. Uh, fairly even at first. Goto sold early. And uh, there was actually a very cool move here that I wanted to bring up by TMDK in this one. Mm -hmm. um, Mikey Nichols was trying for a superplex on Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi pushes him off. Shane Haste charges in. Nichols gets Haste up in a powerbomb position because they were about to crash into each other. Instead, he hoists his partner up, backs into the corner, and Haste on... Nichols' shoulders gives Yoshihashi a superplex off the top row. I just thought that was really cool. I just enjoyed that a lot. That was creative. I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> I don't think I have either. So, uh, yeah, that was really neat. Well, that, and, uh, that was definitely before this match went off the rails. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and then TMDK controlled a lot of it early. Yoshihashi was in for a long time. There may be a reason for that, but we can't be sure anymore, can we? But uh, Yoshihashi did most of this, the work in this one. Uh, Anyway, they managed to uh, he managed to kick out of the uh, the uh, highway to hell double team move that they mm -hmm. do. He also uh, got uh, Goto broke up a tank buster. He was able to do that. Yoshihashi uh, kicked out of the highway to hell, and then uh, Yoshi got the win with the crucifix bomb, which is of course how uh, a lot of matches seem to end in New Japan <laughs> these days. So it feels like the end of the schoolboy pin of New Japan now. Yeah, it is. It's it's funny. Uh, but uh, anyway, Crucifix Bomb is, is the, all the rage these days. So he got the win with that. This was a strong Yoshihashi performance. He did most of this. Now, since then, Hiroki Goto has been pulled off of the house show saying that he is injured. After Uncle Nobu, we can't be positive. But uh, it would be odd for a babyface, and that's what Bishamon is, a babyface, to be pulled off for to fake an injury for really no storyline reason I could think of. So he might have gotten banged up here in this one. But uh, Yoshihashi carried it. Uh, the match was fine. Uh, 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Feel like if given more time, these two teams can do better than this. But there was really nothing wrong with it, and they were coming off a big angle. So. Yeah, I think uh, I, I talked to you about this last week, but – it seemed like Bishamon was a likelier team to go into the World Tag League holding the belt and defending against them at Wrestle Kingdom than, say, TMDK. Not to say that TMDK isn't, like, a talented team, but it doesn't feel like their time to be, like, this upstart team, especially with Bullet Club out there, kind of doing that same thing. So 
I'm just kind of under the assumption that they're going to have Goto heal up until the end of October and then, you know, just try and gut him through the World Tag League and make sure he doesn't get hurt again. All right. <clears throat> we'll see how it goes there. Yeah. And uh, Colin asked a question here. He says, are there two shows next week, Monday and Thursday? Not next week, but the week after. So this coming Monday is uh, just a normal – this this coming Monday is not the when Ryu, uh, Destruction of Ryu Goku is. That's October 9th. So the week of October 9th, we'll have a Monday show and uh, also a Thursday show. And the week, October 1st Thursday. show on New Japan World is free and live. So you don't have to have a subscription to watch that show. Right. And the 30th will also be on there for subscribers. So we will get the both Cork and Hall shows this coming week. All right. And then we had a series of special singles matches there. So we had the first one was this one here, as you see on the screen here, Shingo Takagi and the great Okan. 12 minutes, 27 seconds. This is pretty much a long Bushido contest between these two. A lot of chops, a lot of shoulder blocks. It was a very basic story of Shingo Takagi trying to bring the fire out of the Great Okan. Great Okan bringing a little bit of that fire, but in the end succumbing to the dragon, including the last of the dragon, which was the finish here. Nothing particularly complicated, nothing wrong with it. It was a basic match uh, between two pretty good wrestlers. Shingo's a great wrestler. Great Okan's pretty good. Not a ton of story. It was just a matter of Shingo wanted to bring the fight out of Great Okan. Great Okan brought the fight. Wasn't enough to beat the Dragon. Kind of like a G1 match, just kind of with the edges shaved off. You know, the serial number fouled off. They just kind of two guys going in there and wanted to win. And that was it. And it made sense because uh, the other two matches and these special challenges, that well, one's the for the U.S. title, but LIJ versus United Empire theme for the last three mm -hmm. singles matches of the night. And the next one after this one was Tetsuya Naito facing Jeff Cobb. They did add the stipulation of the contract for the Tokyo Dome being on the line. That came in at the last second and added a little bit to it. I don't think too many people thought Naito was getting upset here. I think a lot of people figured that this was going to be a win, and it was. Uh, it didn't go uh, all that long. Like I said, under 15 minutes on this one, so shorter than a lot of their main events. I mean, this was a semifinal instead of a main event, but uh, Cobb actually hit a, com a combinacion cabron of his own right there, which just is pretty impressive for a 280-pound man. Naito had a Hurricane Rana off the top rope and then an Esperanza, so you know, you're talking about these guys pulling out a lot of stops here. Uh, Cobb countered a Destino, turned it into a spin cycle. Uh, Naito hit a Poison Rana before Cobb could get the tour of the island. So you started getting the big moves back and forth a little earlier than you normally do. Usually you get those at about the 15-minute mark, but mm -hmm. here they weren't even going 15. Started to get the big moves around the 7- or 8-minute mark. And uh, there was a cradle attempt off a satellite DDT by... Uh, Naito, and that works because he's gotten a couple of flash pins off of that in G1 he did yeah, yeah. around that tour. So that's kind of over right now. That's gotten over with the crowd. The crowd have picked up on that, that he might get a win if he does that satellite DDT where he puts the foot on the rope, swings around, and then rolls him up into a cradle. Uh, people are kind of ready for that to be a good false finish now. You can he use won that. that a couple of times with the G at the G1, and it, it man, it really... It's stuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, the tour of the islands, again, he tried it, but this one time it was countered into a Destino. And then Naito set him up, hit the full-blown Destino for the finish. This was very good. Uh, putting the Tokyo Dome spot in jeopardy did help the match a little bit, gave it a little extra flavor. 
Naito was still favored in the end, but it helped. And then in the end, everyone was happy that their guy defended the contract and will go into the Tokyo Dome. And I think a lot of New Japan fans are really fired up at the idea of Naito being there. Maybe not so fired up about who his opponent is, but they're excited at the idea of Naito. The fans want that roll call, Jeremy. They want it bad. They do. They do. Do you think... Do you think anyone's ever going to lose their title shot at Wrestle Kingdom to a rando like that feuds with them in the well, run-up? I mean, do they, well, they, ever, did it. they did it, remember? I mean, Jay White yeah. got it from uh, from uh, Ibushi one year. Yeah, but they then they did the two nights. So, yeah, like, they, they, had the, they had the game to play and, and split it. But with the one Wrestle Kingdom, the one night, would you ever think that they'll ever just do a curveball and just say, fuck you, fans, this is what we're doing? <laughs> I think some year they will. I yeah. think some year they will. This is not the year. This is no, not the year no, at no, all. But, no, but I think is, some year they will. This actually. is laid in concrete kind of kind of style right here, right now. <laughs> Flaming Shark is with us. He's got some things to say. Shingo getting the win here does lend itself to his theory. He will get the final Sonata defense before Naito. Yeah, that does look like it. That he's going to run through all of mm-hmm. LIJ on the way to the Dome. You're right. Cobb and Naito was very good as well. This main event coming up. Oh, man. We're all going to get through it together, I promise. He says, of course, assuming, of course, evil doesn't beat Sonata, and pretty unlikely. Yeah, I, I got You don't feel, speak that evil into the world. I got to feel like this is just really stacking the deck so that Sonata can have a big triumph going into the dome because he needs it. He needs he needs a big triumph. The, uh, the Empire has struck back with the loss of the uh, King of Pro Wrestling title. I, uh, I think that is the dramatic tension that they've introduced into this whole factor. And uh, Brad is here with us. Hello, Brad. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. And uh, Flaming Shark also mentions that I don't really count the Ibushi thing because uh, he's still at his path. To right. Event. Yeah, right. yeah. All right. You know, they, it was they, all they, just game, gamesmanship with the booking. They did it when they could because they knew it didn't really take anything away from someone the fans really wanted to see. I, I would be curious to see if they did it with a heel that no one wanted to see. And then have a baby face come and beat him to get, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a way that you could do it where people would not be upset about the Tokyo yeah. main event. Uh, I mean, tank. for, for the scenario to happen, there'd have to be a cataclysmic injury and you don't want to wish that upon anybody, but mm-hmm. like deliberately doing it, like this was all part of the plan. That would be wild. You could almost do a thing where someone saves the Tokyo domain event. Here's what I'm talking about. I am not. This, I'm not advocating evil winning the G1. Okay, I'm just saying. But somebody like evil winning the G1 when one of their faction mates is the champion, and then teasing the idea of we're just going to lay down in the main event, or it's not going to be much. We're just have a little exhibition in the Tokyo Dome main and event, just and then, like riling up the entire like fan base. Yeah, and then sometime in the fall, someone they actually want to see win the belt manages to maneuver themselves into a thing where. Now, all of a sudden, that Tokyo Dome main event it goes from being yeah. some silly heel thing into an actual wrestling match for the title. and Someone has to save the day. There are ways to do it. We haven't seen them do it yet. Yeah, I uh, just something to chew on. I don't know. One of these days, we might be coming back to this conversation, having a real good laugh. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get to the main event. Yes. And, uh, you know, when Ooh. I see this main event, I think... Boy, Kanata and Evil have their work cut out for them and Rhea Goku. <laughs> yeah. This was so good. The uh, United States UK heavyweight title match. Uh, Will Ospreay, Yoda Suji, 27 minutes and 51 seconds of brilliance. What can you say about this one? These guys both have the agility of much smaller men. So when they start to do the 
junior heavyweight moves as these heavyweights and, and neither one of them are massive, but they're big guys. You know, they're, they're fully grown heavyweight wrestlers. Seeing them do that is very cool. And Jeremy, what struck me about this watching it was something we've known for a while. It's not any shocking revelation, but Will Ospreay has really learned how to slow down at times and let things sink in, which he didn't always do when he was, the young junior heavyweight will bouncing off of every surface he could find that wasn't there five years ago, but now he can pause and then pick things back up with the speed and attention intensity. He lets moments breathe now and it makes his matches a little bit better. He lets things sink in. And that's one of the things that has made him, I think probably the best wrestler in the world with Okada taking basically half the year off, just kind of goofing around in multi-man tags. You, but, you mean uh, raising a son might might be a, a little bit of a focus right now? Hey, well, I don't know I, if you have a son or a Remember, we'll, we'll talk about having a stepson who's three years old. You don't get a lot of rest with those either. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, the, the counters into the high impact moves, we started getting those, and those were great with these guys. Uh, they, fought, uh, they fought on the apron. They teased the curb stomp move from the elimination match they did in the house show run-up. So that's one where Suji did a curb stomp to Will from the apron all the way to the floor. Uh, they uh, they teased it here, but instead of hitting the curb stomp, Will hit an os cutter from the apron to the floor. That was about the 20-minute mark, and now things were really starting to pick up. So the uh, another os cutter was reversed into a blue thunder type of bomb. I mean, both these guys had really inventive ways of getting in and out of moves here. And uh, that sequence of stomps that Suji does is so great. Uh, blue thunder type bomb, and then Will is up on his knees and kneeling and leaning backwards and he stomped him back, you know, like his, his back the other way, instead of just, you know, the traditional curb stomp was the back of the head to the face. The crowd was into this one, man. They were really enjoying themselves. I was too. Uh, there was an ice cutter for two and a big crowd pop, uh, a storm breaker that was countered into a stunner. Then they started hitting each other's move. So first Suji hit a spear, but will managed to get just close enough to the rope. So he got his foot on the rope at the two and seven eights count. Uh, that was a great spot. That was at the 25. The near fall mark. of all near falls in this match. <laughs> oh. And they, Suji hit a stomp and a stormbreaker of his own on Osprey for two. Uh, Will dodged a spear, hit a hidden blade, and then hit his own spear for a one count on Suji. Uh, Storm driver, which everyone thought was the finish, but it wasn't. Suji kicked out of it. That got the big woo from the, the fans there. All 4,000 of them there. Hidden Blade, and then a Stormbreaker for three. This was brilliant. I did like the Defiance by Suji before that final yeah. uh, Hidden Blade and Stormbreaker. That, yeah. was a, that was a really nice touch on his part. Kind of one of those uh, mirrors the Okada and Osprey uh, dynamic in the other way, where Osprey would, would be very defiant to the last, the last blow but he would eventually fall. It was, it was a nice parallel. And afterwards, uh, of course, uh, a lot of praise on the microphone from Osprey to Suji. And then Zack Sabre Jr. came out, which we all figured was going to happen because they have that big show at the Copper Box, Royal Quest 3 coming up. This was the natural main event for it. And in a nice little treat for the folks there in Kobe, both Will and Zack did a lot of that promo in Japanese, uh, challenging for that uh, match. They did finish it up in English, though. But uh, they did a great job. They they uh, good promo in Japanese there, setting up the Copper Box. 
Suji was incredible in this one. Will is an absolute genius. I can't wait for London. But uh, both of these guys were absolutely fantastic. One of the best matches I've seen in a while. And this stacks up with anything at the G1, anything you're going to see anywhere. I mean, really outstanding work. I love this. This was a fantastic match. I thought it was probably one of the best matches of Suji's career. And it was just another night for Will Ospreay. Uh, and I, and I don't mean that like to be like blithe, but Will Ospreay is really fucking good. Like he (laughs) is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He is this version of Will Ospreay, not the, not the AEW version. This current version of Will Ospreay is probably one of my favorite presentations of any wrestler in the world right now. He's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to be very careful about what I feel about Yoda Suji because I think he is fantastic. But I am very cautious about the efforts and the intensity to shoot him to the moon or belt him or make him the world champion. He's got so much time and so much ability to develop. And he is phenomenal. And you could call him a phenom. But we gotta slow our roll on Yoda Suji. Like he can hang, mm-hmm. but I am not sure that he can lead. And I want to wow. see some of those scenarios. I do, I do. At a main event level, like I know he can hang, and he has proven he can hang with Sonata. He has proven that he can hang with uh, Will Ospreay, and he can hang with a number of others. I have no doubt about that. But I'm just like slow down a little bit on the Yoda Suji love. We got a bunch of guys on that same level. And right now the focus is on him. But I don't feel like New Japan in general is going to strike when the iron is hot with him, especially when they have the other two Rewa that are there right now. And so there's going to be a sense of like, okay, slow down. I'm not even, I don't even think that Yodosuji has the big singles win outside of the G1 yet. Does he? No, he's lost all of his big matches so far, but that's the slow burn that Ghetto likes to do with these guys. As far as what you're saying, I I agree with you that Ghetto's not going to pull the trigger. Right. Mind you, if he woke up one day and said, nope, screw it, I'm going with Yoda Suji, I'm I'm launching him. I'd be shocked, but I would would see it. Like, I I would would get it. I would be very surprised. He's not going to do it. What right. I'm saying is if something just got a, a burr in his saddle and he just decided, okay, I'm doing it, I think Yoda Suji absolutely could carry it. I don't if, think he would be they wanted to pick a young I think he guy. has both the ability and he has the charisma to do it. And when he starts winning these big matches, which won't be too terribly long, when he starts winning these big matches, I think he is going to be a monster star in this company. Yeah, so if we were to look at a scenario post-Wrestle Kingdom with Naito... Uh, having the belt, I could definitely see a Yoda Suji Naito match at Dominion with Yoda Suji winning next year. Like, there is a scenario in there in my mind that is very easily happening. Maybe even him winning the New Japan Cup and challenging and doing something like that. Uh, I'm saying, like, right now, slow your roll, give it a few more months because. New Japan is not going to shoot him to the moon like the way that we want to, especially going into Wrestle Kingdom. More like out of Wrestle Kingdom might be his time to shine. 
Let's take a look at some of these comments. Flaming Shark says, we all knew this was going to be Suji's best match of his career, and it still exceeded expectations. It did. Bit. Yep. And he also says, can't get over how ridiculously good Will Ospreay is at every element of wrestling at this point here in 2023. He makes everyone he touches look like a star. So him with a rising star is magic. Absolutely correct. Brad, hey, there's Brad here. Uh, Osprey is without a doubt one of the best. And if you said the best, I wouldn't argue. But Suji more than held his own. This was no carry job by Will. Suji is a star. Absolutely right. Yeah, he, he, he has been great in all of his big singles matches. Uh, he, and this is a guy that has now main evented in Kobe in front of 4,000 people. He main evented Dominion. Uh, he, I think he's proven that I, the fans are into this guy, uh, you know, and so Suji feels like they could fast track him to the world title if they wanted. Definitely think he wins it within the next three years. We'll see about that one. I think. Oh, one thousand percent. I would take that. Yeah. And Colin says, you wonder why Will isn't permanently broken down. He had a fantastic match with Mara Fuji, and then he goes and has a match of the year candidate with Suji. Very few people have been on the roll that Will Ospreay's on right now. Just, Once a week, it's, Will. <laughs> it's very, very rare to see somebody this good in this many ways. So, uh, Suji star presence from Flaming Shark again. And just how exciting his wrestling style is, an amazing combination. I'm a huge fan of all the recently graduated Young Lions, but Gabe Kidd and Suji feel like can't miss stars. So, there's some love for the uh, War Dogs. And he says, uh, Zach and uh, Osprey promo was hilarious. You can tell Will was struggling with the Japanese while Zach's Japanese has gotten really good. And, and he was pretty comfortable. This is because Zach has been too. living in Japan pretty much full time since the pandemic. He didn't go back home. Well, Will did. Will's uh, uh, Japanese got pretty good, but then he he left and he hasn't lived in Japan uh, <laughs> since uh, before the pandemic. He managed to a little get rusty. Home. <laughs> and, and yeah, it does. It's not uh, it doesn't stick uh, as easily as uh, some others. And uh, let's see, the closing, uh, the closing promos were awesome. Uh, this is from Brad. Chris Charlton saying he didn't expect to be translating their promos sent me. Yeah, he didn't, did he? All of a sudden, he was translating promos uh, from uh, two, uh, two Brits. Uh, did anyone else think it was interesting and possibly strange from Brad? How Kevin Kelly kept leaning into saying that how Osprey could be leaving NJPW. He said it a lot. He did. And uh, there could be a couple of different reasons for that. I noticed the same thing. Uh, it could be that they honestly don't know where Will is going to go next. I'm not sure that that deal, any deals have been done or even verbally agreed to on that. And the other one is really, he's finishing up with New Japan, but Kevin Kelly's an AEW announcer. So you know, if he does go over to AEW, which a lot of people think he's going to be, uh, Kevin's going to be, called, you know, it's one of Kevin's guys. Kevin's an AEW announcer now. He's no longer ours. It's sad. Um, and Shark says he'll give it three years, but just because everyone's so hot on I'm not sure New Japan will wait. Yeah, it, it, there's so much star power with the guy. And I mentioned last week that he's Nakamura-esque in uh, a lot of ways, and I think that that charisma is really starting to pour in. And uh, that's one of his stories currently. His contract is expiring. He's doing the MJF thing, just not in the mega heel way. Yeah, Will's definitely playing that up in his promos that he is a sought-after uh, upcoming uh, free agent. And uh, yeah, and it's sometimes when you hear an announcer, we're so used to them using announcers to send us one way and then fake back the other direction that when an announcer really locks in on something, we think, oh, now it can't be that. Yeah, <laughs> now, 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 they're, now they're wanting to, to, yeah. to know this, this detail. This is important. But it is true that his contract is up, but it's not up yet. So I, I don't think AEW can particularly i mean i know they're talking everybody's you know all that kind of stuff it happens if, if will goes to but AEW, he can't he can't he's sign not anything coming now. back if will goes to aew 
he's not coming back for more than three or four shows. This isn't, this isn't going to be like the other way around where yeah. like he's working a bunch of New Japan shows and then showing up every month for AEW do, doing doing it. It ain't going to work like that. <laughs> and Collins asking, when are they introducing Kevin Kelly's replacement? We don't know yet. Uh, we know that Kevin is sticking around all the way through Wrestle Kingdom. Might not be until after that. Could uh, be know, some three-man booth too. You know, like everyone just kind of working together, kind of yeah. doing doing the Ethan. Because I think Kevin's going to do Dash, isn't he? Isn't he doing New Year's Dash? Or yeah, is, I, is think, it I think Tokyo Dome I done? think the initial <clears throat> confirmation was that he was going to be working through Wrestle Kingdom and then the Dash, and then we'll see from there. But that was kind of like, okay, don't plan for that much after that. So I mentioned that 4,212 showed up here. That was up from uh, 3,150 for a Burning Spirit tour last year. Remember, they didn't have Destruction. Last year was Burning Spirit, uh, part of that, uh, the Anoki anniversary thing. So they didn't, uh, they changed, went back to some retro names for their shows. But uh, in Kobe last time, uh, 3,150, this time 4,212. So uh, he takes Sonata out of the main event, puts Suji in, and the crowd goes up a thousand. <laughs> they had, uh, but no, that show last year had uh, Osprey versus Finlay for the U.S. title. That's the one that drew thirty-one hundred. And uh, and here's one that seems like a really long time ago. Carl Anderson's never open weight title defense against Hiroshi Tanahashi was on that show. Uh, now the biggest crowd so far this year in Kobe was for Dragon's Gate. They did over five thousand for a show in July, the uh, Pro Wrestling Festival twenty twenty three. That show had Shingo Takagi and Hiromu Takahashi on it. So if you need if you need to draw on Kobe, bring the new Japan guys in, I tell you. So uh, everyone else has done under a thousand in that town uh, since this week. So good crowd. Uh, again, you know, Will Ospreay and Yoda Suji uh, put rear I mean, ends. When in you the have seat. a good card, people are gonna show up, and that looks that looks a pretty good card. Now, before we move on to other to uh, some of these other things, we do have uh, more house shows uh, this week. Now on Monday in uh, Nagoya in front of 951. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny team, the Tongans, and that, that alliance with uh, Phantasmo, they defeated the Bullet Club, Finlay's Bullet Club. Chaos uh, went over uh, LIJ, and uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru teamed with Sho and Evil, and they beat Sonata, Doki, and Taka in uh, just 10 minutes. So that not long, not a, not a long look at Kanemaru with uh, House of Torture, but that was the first one. And in the best of seven series, by the way, uh, Yuji Nagata, Shota Umino, and Master Wado defeated the strong style team of Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, and Desperado. So now that best of seven series is one, one, and one. So they had the one draw in Chiba, and then each team has gotten a victory in that one. So one, one, and one. And we will be seeing that in both uh, uh, Korokan Hall shows this weekend. On Do you the think 20- that best of seven is going to end in a draw? Good, very well. I mean, part of the story they're telling is these guys are so incredibly evenly matched that it's taking an act of God to get one to show that they're an inch better than the other. And I think it's I think the whole thing is going to come down to we have to put them in a match with the Tokyo Dome to get any kind of resolution on anything. And even then, it might not be the resolution. But I think that that's kind of where it's headed. There is a special singles match at the Dome between the two. That's my guess. I don't know. That's the way it feels to me. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny over the Bullet Club again. So the, the challengers going over strong in the house shows there. That's in Fukui in front of 909 people on Tuesday. Lij over Chaos. So that one's going back and forth. And then once again, of course, uh, the House of Torture team beating 
uh, just three guys. This time it was 11 minutes. So they lasted uh, one minute longer than they did. <laughs> but uh, And then today, very similar set of preview tags in Saitama. So that takes us into these shows at Corican Hall on the 30th and the 1st, and we'll get to see them. So anything yeah, you want to add to that before we go over some of the key matches for the weekend? No, not really. I mean, you covered the details. There's not much other than just like these magic are happening and we'll finally get to watch them. <laughs> so on Corican Hall on the 30th, we will get our uh, first look uh, on New Japan World at Kanemaru with the House of Torture. Uh, they'll have they'll do that six man match again. We'll also be seeing Leo Rush and Okada against Hiromu and Naito. So that should be pretty cool. And then a best of seven match there. That's six man. Uh, tag team series and then for uh, october 1st the next day key matches for that one another best of seven match uh, another six-man match with just four guys and house of torture and then an elimination match in the main event that'll be hantai kevin knight kushida el Fantasmo, hikaleo tangaloa tamatanga against the finlay bullet club uh, which includes Finlay, Owens, Coughlin, Kid, Connors, and Maloney, an elimination match there where uh, you're either pinned, submitted, or thrown over the top rope to the floor. That's how that's going to work on uh, October 1st. You can catch those on NJPW World. Yeah, I think those are the uh, – I think I have the whole card here. Yeah. Up the mm -hmm. top, there we got just another setup for the uh, House of Torture Jack 5 guys. Got another uh, Leo Rush, Yo, and Okada versus uh, Lij, Hiromu, Naito, and Bushi. Uh, got another one of those best of five, best of seven. Then you got Yoda and Shingo versus Callum Newman and Great Ocon. Yeah, these are going to be a fun show. Live, free on YouTube. And Brad mentioned something here. It's interesting to note that per the world schedule here, the next Destruction show on the 9th only has live English commentary with Japanese commentary uploaded at a later date. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I wonder if they're going to update I'm, I'm saying that show is going to be the one that's going to have a new app ready for you. Yeah, <laughs> maybe disaster. So. I bet it's going to be a disaster and everyone's going to no, be complaining that. that they can't download it. Don't and they that. can't watch a show and the energy is just going to be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's going to be wanting the old world app and then no. it'll all be like, this is, this is the way of the future. We are going to have, and we're going to have an Apple Store app that's going to work perfectly and beautifully on my smart television, and it's going to—it's all going to be—we're going to be rolling in puppies and unicorns, Jeremy. Don't put that. <laughs> I insist. All right. Uh, so I got. Looks like we got a couple of Royal Quest matches that were made as well. You want to take a look at those? Well, we do, but we actually have something on October first here in the United yeah. States to deal with here. So can we talk about oh. Wrestle Dream first? Because that is coming up. You want to do Wrestle Dream? Let's do Wrestle Dream. That's right. So here we go. Of course. The dream match here, Brian Danielson, Zack Saber Jr., and that is uh, coming up there. That's the uh, the big one for me, anyway. The reason I want to see uh, Wrestle Dream, although I don't know if I'm going to be able to see once in a lifetime. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard to say. <clears throat> I believe Brian Danielson when he says he believes he's going to slow down. I don't necessarily think Brian Danielson is going to end up slowing down. I, I believe that he thinks so now, today, as he is speaking. But I don't know if he's necessarily actually going to slow down. But, uh, yeah, he, he thinks he is, so let's get this match in the ring. And uh, everyone's excited about it. You can tell that they're excited about it. And not just in a... after this match was originally supposed to happen. And uh, Colin coming in hot here says the only decent match on the card. I don't know Ooh. if I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think Icy. there's... I think there's some. I, I think Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata for the ROH and NJPW Strong Title could be pretty interesting. My understanding was that was originally supposed to be Moxley and Shibata. 
Hmm. Well, yeah. This will be. I kind of like that match better, but you, more than I, Eddie and Shibata. I do. I don't know. I just feel like Eddie and Shibata shouldn't be wrestling each other right now. They just kind of they're more aligned than not. But well, that's not it. A is bad it is a match to have and. They both have a mentality of just the fighting spirit. So yeah, I really think that's matter. where I'm it doesn't really matter. But it, when AEW is presenting it and not New Japan, even though it's an Anoki tribute, it just doesn't it just doesn't ring true to me. I like the comparison and contrast with Kingston and Shibata that they're very, very different wrestlers, mm-hmm. but their characters have the same you know, fight to the death mentality. Yeah. And I think that could make for an interesting match. Uh, they, they are not, they're very different styles, of course, but with that same drive in storyline, I think that could really work. And uh, Moxley against either one of these two would be, would be good too. But uh, I, 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 this one kind of caught my eye that I, I would like to see. Yeah. So Brian Dangus with Zach Sabre Jr. Let's get back to this one. Uh, yes. Sorry. This is going to be fantastic. Um, I'm really, really, really excited for this match. Um, it's just going to be special. And I I really want it to be the one and done that they do. And I don't know if that's going to be the case because uh, it may be that good that they have to do it again. Uh, that is <laughs> very, very real. Um, I feel like there's a sense that Brian Danielson is almost like the Roman Reigns of the world of pro wrestling. No one can beat him right now. And that the eventual match is going to be Danielson and Will Ospreay to really see who the best in the world is at this exact moment. But uh, right now, this one, this one has got me really, really excited. And then we still have Danielson and Okada, too, coming up, too, which we're pretty sure that we're going to see soon, probably in Tokyo. So, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. I don't know. Ospreay has got Danielson's mouth, like, uh, name in his mouth quite a bit. And then uh, Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page. This will be a match between two wrestlers. We'll go on to the next New Japan match. <laughs> the next one is uh, Chris Jericho, <laughs> Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Uh, I was pretty nice to Hangman there, I thought. No, uh, no, I love it. But we're talking the New Japan stuff. So, like, there, Hangman, Hangman hasn't really done New Japan in five years. Uh, I, I love him to death. But the politics of talking about that show on a New Japan that match on a new Japan show is just not not the way I want to spend my day. So a six-man match here. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi on one side against uh, the Don Callis-led trio of Sammy Guevara, Will Ospreay, and Kanosuke Takeshita. It, this is interesting to me, Jeremy, for a bunch of... Well, I mean, anytime Omega and Ospreay are in the same ring, it's exciting. You have Takeshita, who has kind of sort of taken that Kota Ibushi thing, hasn't he? You know, like where mm-hmm. uh, at, at uh, the match has that air of this could be a classic at any moment. So a classic could break out. And we know that Ibushi can't really do that anymore. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing the new generation version against the old generation version of it. Uh, so this one has a curiosity factor to it for me to see that old school, uh, Abushi versus the guy who's taken that mantle a little bit. So there's a lot to unpack here, and uh, not going to throw you under the bus here, but you're not watching AEW uh, when it comes out, so you did not see last night's episode. No. With what happened, so Takeshita and Callis went to the DDT show this past weekend, mm-hmm. and 
during that time that they were in Japan, they filmed a segment in which they assaulted Kota Ibushi at his wrestling studio slash uh, his personal training area. It's probably a Wait, good idea to shoot that on film so he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they assaulted him with the uh, umbrella and eventually Kanosuke an umbrella. How dare they hit him straight in the face with a kettlebell? So Ooh, he went okay. down. Now hard. About, when he said umbrella, I decided it was the 19- distraction by uh Calif to hit him with the umbrella so that Takeshita could you know oh, get the upper hand and take him. I out. thought it was 1978 again. All right, we're so fine. now with Calif with the. 2023 version of the Heenan family, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Will Ospreay is now a full-fledged member of the Callis family, along with Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara, who turned on Chris Jericho last week. Callis is now calling Takesha the Alpha, which is furthering his <laughs> feud with Jericho, who was originally the Alpha, feuding against Omega in Japan for their feud back in 2018. So there are a number of ties to the New Japan history and lore that they are trying to draw from to make this match more interesting. And it, it, these are the right guys to pull this thread, but it's almost like you need, you need a lore book to really unravel why these three facing these other three is in fact so consequential. And uh, I guess I was the guy to do that for you today. <laughs> there you have it. So uh, there's one other from this one, right? Oh, uh, let's go through it. Yeah. We got the Kings of Shibata. We, covered that Shibata. we talked about that one. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. FTR versus Aussie Open. This is a rematch from the Royal Quest 2 show last year in which these two tag teams were phenomenal and proved that they were the best in the world at the time when they wrestled each other. Now, we are kind of in a scenario where these two tag teams have not been made to look at the prestige that they have. FTR is currently doing a number of open challenges on Collision and Dynamite in which they are barely scraping by against teams that they should be beating handily. And yes, it is important to put younger teams over, but if you say you're the best in the world and take a shot at us and you won't miss and you'll miss, you got to wrestle in a psychology better than barely scraping by against teams that shouldn't be uh, getting that close. As for Aussie Open... Question, though, is that the way they're working the match or the way they're being told to work the match? Uh, I tend to think that FTR has a lot of creative uh, license to run their angles the way that they see fit. I just That's just kind of the read that I get. As for Aussie Open... If you want to make them look like world beaters, do not have them be beaten in the world in front of 80,000 people on a pre-show to lose the tag team titles. I wish that they had thought all of this out before they decided to do this match because this is a fantastic match. But the prestige and luster of both tag teams at the time from when they were last year to this year is markedly different. And I tremendously hope that this is an effort to bring them back to the to prestige and the status that they should have going forward. Brad asked an interesting question. With Will in the Callis family, does that make Aussie Open and the rest of the United Empire de facto Callis family members too? I don't think that's been brought up, but they're certainly adjacent. They're Callis I would not adjacent. rule out Aussie Open joining the Callis family. And yeah. like that seems like a really great myth. And uh, there is still, you know, delineations. Aussie Open 
hasn't really, or United Empire hasn't really been mentioned all that much recently in AEW. Just like Bullet Club and Bullet Club Gold have a little bit of difference. I feel like they've kind of shifted away from that aspect of it, but they're still considered, Will and Osseo are still considered United Empire of New Japan. And uh, Tuan Mack mentions, don't forget to a double effing clothesline. Well, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing more yeah. devastating, nothing more devastating than Adam Cole and MJF doing a double clothesline. It's the, the most vicious. Send the fans home happy, right? You got to give them what they want. As 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 Excalibur finds a way to scream on every show. So, yeah, not really New Japanish. Yeah, no New Japan there. No, uh, not really no, New Japanish. No, it's not fine. We're going for those of you who are listening. Match. For those of you on a podcast who are wondering what the hell's going on, we're going through the rest of this card. And if you're an AEW fan, this is this card's card. This card's fine. It's not bad. It's uh, but as if you're a New Japan fan, we're just kind of it's worth fifty it's for Danielson. It's worth fifty for Danielson and Zach Saber Jr. And if you're not convinced that it's worth fifty for Danielson and Zach Saber Jr., I am hesitant to think that the rest of the card is going to put it over, but it's still going to be a fun card. And uh, yeah, Darby Allen and Christian Cage, two out of three falls. I'll try to get something out of that. That's they could probably do something with it. So direct uh, me next. What do we talk about next? Okay, so yeah, let's see. Uh, well, let's go to. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot new for the October 9th card. We, we're going to preview it heavily next week because yeah. we'll be building up to it. So I don't think they've announced any new major matches. So we'll go over that next week. But we do have some interesting information on Royal Quest 3 here, don't we? Yes, we do. So Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. is now official for the US, UK. Uh, you all uh, championship there. So that's going to be the one. And uh, everyone's going to look forward to that one. And there's another one they added in here that's just going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Tomohiro Ishii and Shingo Takagi. Let's just beat the hell out of each other. For oh, it's going to be so great. <laughs> going to be wonderful. Who doesn't love this one? And then they also added this one in, which is Yoda Suji, who, uh, oh, okay, well, we'll do the six-man tag, and then we'll get to that. So we have Eddie Kingston, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Michael Oku which is an interesting combination, taking on TJP, Jeff Cobb, and Hanare. So heavy United Empire presence on this show. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you expect that with uh, Zach and yeah. with Will, of course. But uh, they've added in some more UE members, so it should be good. So this seems like it's really setting up the Sam's Town show. Uh, yeah. I did say Sam's Club. I said Sam's Town, and I'm so proud of myself. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, I feel like Hanare, Hanare getting a, a win over Michael Oku to set up that match at, at Strong should be uh, should be the way that this goes. Uh, that's what I see when I see this match right here. Um, Hiroshi, there, everyone here is going to get a massive reaction. It's going to be a whole ton of fun. A lot of a lot of power moves. Jeff Cobb could be doing his thing. I'm looking forward to this match. And we also have. Yoda Suji and Luke Jacobs. So that'll be interesting. Of course, Yoda Suji did a lot of his excursion with Rev Pro in England. He was also in CMLL, but uh, he uh, probably the majority of it, right? I would say he did most of it at Rev Pro. And uh, so the fans are familiar with him there. Uh, Luke Jacobs will give him a contest. I would expect Suji to get a win here, I think, right? Yeah. I mean, would you, if Yoda Suji had won that match against Will Ospreay, would it have been Yoda Suji versus Zach Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay versus, let me check, Luke Jacobs? Yeah, probably. I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, because because they always <laughs> knew it was going to be well, they never booked, you know, I don't think that was ever a factor. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there'd be a way you could do it. Uh, I wanted to mention something, too, that I thought was interesting last week. Speaking of Eddie Kingston, last sure. week, 
he we talked about him having a match at Defy with Rocky Romero. Tis not that match did not happen. Uh, he has pulled back on all of his independent bookings to make sure that he can stay healthy for his uh, AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling bookings, which pragmatically speaking, I think is the smart way to go. Uh, that is a man who has toiled on the Indies has given far more to the Indies than a lot of them have. And he I owes absolutely nothing to anybody. Uh, and he will continue to give his time when he can. But that, that is not a guy that should feel bad about not being able to give back to pro wrestling. So tip of the cap to you and deciding to focus on your health on that one. But what was interesting is they took that match and they put it on Rampage. Hmm. So Defy got the match taken from them, but they still did the match and put it on TV for AEW because, yeah. New, <laughs> New Japan let uh, AEW have that match extended Defy. Well, you know, again, Eddie is an, an AEW guy, not yeah. a New Japan guy. So he goes where Tony tells him to go. And, uh, yeah, Chris Samson's here with us. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, we can all... <laughs> We can all hope to love something the way Eddie Kingston loves canceling indie dates. <laughs> well, you know the man's in Savage. the 40s. He's on the run. He's on the run of his life, and uh, you know what can you say? He's uh, decided that uh, now that he is on the run of his life and getting all these major shows and checking all these things off his bucket list, yeah, that uh, he is going to pare things down and make sure he can actually do them. So that would be. Uh, it, it, and here's a match that uh, I didn't see coming in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Trent Seven. Against El Desperado. I got so used to Trent Seven at NXT UK that uh, seeing him in a New Japan ring for the first time since 2016. So first time in seven years. I'm excited about that. El Desperado is one of the best junior heavyweights in the world. I think this will be a fun match and something that, uh, like you said, uh, not on my bingo card that I was going to get to see Trent Seven and Desperado. I I like that Trent Seven is getting back into the UK scene. And, you know, uh, he was unceremoniously let go from uh, WWE NXT UK and all that stuff. So uh, I'm happy to see him on New Japan uh, on a New Japan card again. I think I think he's been on one before. Yeah, uh, in but, 2016 he was he did it a little bit over there. Yeah. So let's see let's see what he does with Desperado. I kind of think Desperado probably gonna win this one. <laughs> That'll be fine. So uh, what else we have? We have a strategic agreement between three different companies: Major League Wrestling. CMLL and New Japan. So this is uh, just announced today for the most part. Um, talent and storylines will be flowing between them, they say. Uh, spirit, big spirit of cooperation here. Uh, we've seen some of this over time. And, uh, oh, guys, okay, we'll let you guys talk on it. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris and Colin saying hi to each other, as they should. We're glad both of you We are a here. community of New Japan fans. <laughs> I, I love it. it. It really is very cool that we can all talk about this stuff and, and, know, what we're, and know what we're talking about, not have to explain every inch of it because we all know. Uh, but, yeah, Major League Wrestling, CMLL, New Japan, working agreement. Uh, and they said, like, so storylines and title matches could flow among the whole thing. It all sounds wonderful in a press release. Let's see if any of this actually works out in practice. Because if there's a, a it's a, it's more if we learned anything that it's more it's a little more challenging in practice than it is in a press release to make all of these moving parts work. But I don't think this changes a whole lot, Jeremy. I mean, CMLL and New Japan already work together a lot. Uh, MLW has done things with CMLL. Uh, a little bit, and, and maybe get the luchadors getting some dates it's with MLW be is fine. Adjacent. It'll yeah. be impact adjacent. It'll be an occasional like special show 
you're not going to see anything New Japan like super consequential. You'll see stuff built mm-hmm. to New Japan shows and incorporating on talent. But, you know, when all of wrestling works together, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, but you also have to keep in mind that this is not like the big leagues of wrestling promotion. So you can't imagine big league things happening. So if you're into the, like the fun co-ops, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what this is. You know, making New Japan more accessible to the people that watch these promotions yeah. so that New Japan has a better outreach. And if anything else, it's another place to send somebody on excursion, I suppose, maybe. I don't know if you'd send them to MLW, though. Nah. Never mind. I'll take that back. But they already sent people to CMLL. Colin asks, where the hell can you watch CMLL and MLW? Well, I know more about CMLL than I do about MLW, I'll admit that. CMLL has a YouTube channel that where you pay a membership price and you can see all their big shows from Arena Mexico. And I believe Arena... Yeah, Arena Mexico, and there's one other there uh, that where you can see several shows a week on uh, the weekly rotation there on uh, their YouTube channel. And uh, Brad mentions that MLW is on fight. So there you go. So you can go see it on fight. I don't watch a whole lot of MLW. Who doesn't love watching stuff on fight, right? Come on. Uh, (laughs) The day that I am able to remove the fight app off of my, like, TV is going to be a great day. But there's always, like, that one show every three months that pops up there. It's like, guess I'm watching fight today. (laughs) Now, I believe Colin is in Scotland. Colin's in Scotland. He's a Rangers fan. So I believe he's going to be able to help us out with this one. Uh, NJPW will have TV on the Extreme Sports Channel on Pluto TV. And who who doesn't have that on on their TVs 24 hours a day, seven days a week? But there it is. We have uh, NJPW going to be on TV in the UK, France, 35 other countries, which are currently listed. I'm not going to name them all. They're all up on your screen right now. Extreme Sports Channel on Pluto TV. You can catch New Japan. I can name them. UK, France, Austria, Belarus, Belgium, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Oh, for the love of God. Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, yes. Denmark, Estonia, Finland, the, Georgia, Germany, no. Gibraltar, and we, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Israel, Kosovo, Latvia, really, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Mexico, every single Estonia, one of them. Malta, Montenegro, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Romania, Serbia, no. Slovakia, Sweden, Switzerland, and the Ukraine. You can watch it all free on Pluto TV. And Jeremy, I'm going to correct you. It says right here on this press release, it is the Netherlands. Oh, you're right. Netherlands. <laughs> the Netherlands in Norway. And then Norway. Oh, come on. It reminded me of a, I don't know if you, this was, this was your jam or not, but, uh, the Animaniacs growing up would occasionally do like capitals or world like <laughs> world countries and they right. bounce around and do it. And it was one of my favorite things of all time just to watch them do that song. So <laughs> when I had the opportunity to go for it, I took it, man. I took that swing. <laughs> so of course we're going through this whole destruction tour and the destruction tour is back. We mentioned they did burning spirit last year. That was part of the 50th anniversary for Inoki. And I wanted to just bring up some of the history of the destruction tour uh, as we close up here, we, we have a few minutes left. So now that it's back on the calendar, it's a series that goes back to 2007. And unlike most of the others, this one usually had multiple days to it. This year, Kobe and Tokyo. And it's also the first since 2019. Didn't have a destruction tour from 2020 to 2022. Some of the reasons were in a couple of those years, they, they did the Enoki anniversary. And then other years, remember the G1 was actually later in the year to get it out of the way of the Olympics. 
and it was that originally was going to be just the one year because the Olympics were taking place during G1 time. They weren't going to do that. And then uh, that, so that got bumped back to September and then the Olympics got bumped back a year. So then uh, because of the pandemic, so then two years in a row, the, the G1 ended up in the spot where destruction usually was. So uh <clears throat> What we uh, have is the destruction tour back. So it began, though, as a one-day event. So from 2007 to 2011, it was a sumo hall show. And it was, took place in either October or November. The very first one had Tanahashi versus Goto for the IWGP title. Mm-hmm. And it was, and most of the time, the main event was an IWGP heavyweight title match. And that was really it. So it was one of the major events on the calendar, one of the big title defenses. There were also some briefcase defenses on the way to the Tokyo Dome because of the way the show is situated on the calendar. It moved to Kobe from uh, 2012 to 2014. Some of the early main events uh, were... Uh, Keiji Muto against Shinsuke Nakamura in 2008. That one drew 9,000 to Sumo Hall. So that was a big one. Uh, Nakamura also faced Tanahashi. Tanahashi faced Naito. So you usually got one of the biggest singles matches that New Japan had at uh, the Destruction shows. In 2014, they began mixing up the formula. There were two events. And that year, there was one in Kobe and one in Okiyama. And Kobe had Bad Luck Fale versus Nakamura. And that was when they switched the Intercontinental title back to Nakamura. They uh, helped make Fale a little more by having him beat Nakamura for the Intercontinental title, and then they had it switch back to Shinsuke here. Okiyama had Okada versus Carl Anderson for the Tokyo Dome uh, title shot. So that was when uh, Carl, I believe Carl may have, uh, Carl made the finals of the G1 in in some of these years, so uh, Ghetto always uh, took care of him as a single back in those days, so he challenged Okada for the Tokyo Dome briefcase. And uh, this one I thought was funny here, Jeremy. Uh, there was a never open weight title defense on that show. And Yujiro Takahashi defended it against Yoshihashi. Just go figure. That's, that's, sure. just a, that's a strange never open weight title. I feel like uh, what, what is old is new again. <laughs> <laughs> and also the time splitters, Alex Shelley and Kushida, uh, defended the junior titles against El Desperado and Taichi. So Taichi was still again. <laughs> Taichi was still junior back then, so he was uh, you oh, know hitting hitting the cardio, and uh, the only time was, was he not crying a... backstage when he was embarrassed back then too. No, no, of course not. No, no, no. Uh, and Taichi's devastated. He lost his best friend for the love of God. Have some empathy. Uh, the only time there wasn't a major title on the line was the main event was 2018, and that was when the top match was. Uh, a, a special challenge match with Tetsuya Naito and Minoru Suzuki. So if you remember when those two were at each other's throats for a while, they just had a special challenge match in that one. Uh, other destruction events that year were in Hiroshima. That was Omega over Ishii for the IWGP title. So Omega and Kota. So you had the Golden Lovers facing off. And then Kobe had Tanahashi over Okada for the Tokyo Dome briefcase. If you remember, that was when Omega was the world heavyweight champion. Tanahashi had his miracle run to win a G1, still so far the last one, probably the last one he'll ever win. And then he had to defend that briefcase against Kazushi Okada to get there. And, of course, he uh, took the title from Omega at the Dome. So those are some fun. That was a fun one. That was a good year, yeah. And so you see the destruction has always been kind of a critical cog in the machine of getting us to that Tokyo Dome show. Like a gatekeeper event. Gatekeeper event, exactly. And uh, while I was going on and on about a little bit of history right there, Brad was nice enough to help us out. Uh, and uh, by saying the Pluto TV is a streaming app that has dozens of free channels, 
24 Hours of Godzilla, 24 Hours of Julia Child. I uh, like the original Japanese Iron Chef, personally. That was one of my favorites. And old Tonight Shows with Johnny Carson, by the way, which is a, an old uh, comedy dork I liked. 80s sitcoms, etc. Yeah, exactly. And one of those is called the Extreme Sports Channel. That one it will be showing uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that is going to be available. A lot of commercials, though. Get ready for commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a free app, right? So they got to make their money somehow. And remember, if uh, if uh, they're not charging you for the product, you're the product. So that's the whole idea. <laughs> Wrong, but I wasn't expecting you to go there. <laughs> they sell the you're the product. They're selling you to the advertisers. Just keep that in mind, folks. Whenever anything's free. So uh, you are the product. So there you go. Uh, a little bit of history right there. And uh, we might be uh, wrapping this one up a little bit early, unless you have anything to add here, Jeremy. I don't. I, I love wrapping things up a little bit early. I know that we average 90 minutes a week, but sometimes we go over. So it's okay if just one time we wrap this up 10 minutes early. It all averages out, I tell you. Oh, so uh, once again, uh, folks, don't forget to uh, check out the Fight Game Media Patreon, the other shows. Uh, $5 a month. Show. Five dollars a month. Tell me the other shows. I know Power Bomb. All right, let's do. Let's show. do the rundown before we wrap this up. We'll be going home eight minutes early, not ten minutes early. We have a Patreon underneath us right now. It's Patreon.com Fight Game Media for five dollars a month. You get the wrap talking about WWE on Monday morning. On Tuesday morning, you'll get the boom talking about. AEW Week in Review. You'll also get In the Quench with Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick talking all things MMA, UFC-centric. We also have The Dynamite Show, which is a live post-reaction show, AEW with Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins on Wednesday night. You'll then get Five Star Joshi Show and The GG Show alternating at the end of the week on this $5 tier with occasional bonus shows thrown in there. And then at the $10 tier, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you jump that in at the second, but at the $10 tier, we have the Power Bombshells and our show thrown into the Patreon feed so that you get this if you don't want to watch us live on YouTube, which I don't understand because look at me. Look at me. I am a gorgeous man that talks about New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am a complete package. And then you get Stephen Conway, who's the brains behind the operation. And you're just like, what a deal. Stephen, what do you have to add to all this? wanted to mention now is the time to listen to the five-star Joshi show with Scott Edwards because no one knows Joshi wrestling better than he does. And the five-star Grand Prix finals uh, are coming up this weekend. I'm very excited about that. There have been some wrenches thrown into it. There have been some serious injuries with some major contenders. The Rossi Ogawa, who's probably going to win. He's going to get my vote for Booker of the Year. I don't know if he's going to win. But, uh, you know, the the whole thing is uh, he's had to do some uh, acrobatics uh, to get this thing to work. But uh, nevertheless, Stardom still churning out great stuff. uh, So I recommend that. And if you're listening here on uh, a podcast, remember, please – it doesn't take long. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, all that stuff really does help people find the show. When they see the ratings, they see those reviews. It gets us into the searches when people look for New Japan yeah. Wrestling. It'll get some more ears and eyeballs on this show, and that's a I, big help. We were laughing in hindsight. We were like, hmm, we probably should have done more of a reaction show for the destruction in Kobe. Yeah. So don't forget, we are going to do a live reaction show for the destruction of Ryagoku the Monday after the show. It airs Sunday night, Monday morning for most people. We should have a time for you next week, letting you know when that reaction show will be. 
probably around the same time we usually go live. Yeah, I imagine it'd be like 5.30 Eastern for that. And then Colin says, have you seen the videos with Leo and Speedball? Well, they have been doing an awful lot of uh, this back and forth on social media, and, and Colin's been putting it over. I have seen some of it. But since you've been putting it over so strong, Colin, I am going to do a little search and see if I can be a little bit more comprehensive about this because apparently they're doing some pretty strong stuff on their social medias talking up that three-way match that we're all looking forward to with Hiromu Takahashi, Speedball Mike Bailey, and Leo Rush. So I will uh, check it out, and apparently it's worth your time to do so as well. I'll take Colin's word for it, Jeremy. Yeah. Look, uh, look, wrap this up, my man. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on around the world of wrestling. We're going to be covering it all next week. We will preview uh, Destruction Rio Goku. We will be talking about the house show events that have gone on in the meantime. And you know, there's going to be a whole ton. We'll also have uh, the AEW show there, Zach Saber Jr. and Danielson to talk about. So, with that in mind, that's Jeremy Feinstone. I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you once again for listening and watching. Speaking of strong style, we'll see you again very soon.